Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast, a podcast with in-depth interviews and conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, expert coaches, industry leaders, and international celebrities. Get exclusive insight into the world of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle with your host, Mark Sefton. I want to welcome you to this episode of the Brains Magazine podcast, and today we have Karen Brown. Karen is the CEO at Exponential Results. How are you today, Karen? Excellent. Glad Good. to be well, here, Mark. I, I know that for you it's Memorial Day, and for me it's Springbank Holiday, and you know, we're showing up. What's everybody else's excuse? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I know I know we were saying just before really like when it comes to bank holidays they really don't make much difference when you, when you work for yourself it's like if you want a day off you can take that um but typically it's really great for those that do work some crazy hours and I I I lived in America once Karen uh, not for long but but I lived in Michigan and and I know I know how hard you Americans work long long hours Yeah far too many yeah, I mean, I think like I used to think that I had it bad when I was employed and then <laughs> went to America and then you guys have like a week or two less holiday. And I'm thinking four weeks a year isn't enough anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you there, but I've learned. I've learned better ways. Yeah, there's still a lot of Americans that just think that work is the the place to be, uh, you know, that that uh, creates our value and our identity and you just got to work harder and harder and longer. And that's the way to go. No bueno for me, man, though. Yeah. When, when you, when you come across that and you realize that actually it's way, way cooler and a better way to live, to be on your own time uh, and to do what you love and, and make money out of that, that for me is like the sweet spot, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. Totally agree. Yeah. And even, uh, finding more balance if you do work for somebody else, if you do work for a company. Uh, and uh, having that balance, I think, is is critical. Uh, and I think a lot of Americans were shown, maybe even forced, how to do that during the pandemic. Uh, mm. And I hope that uh, a lot of us are still getting uh, that balance as we uh, you know, navigate the, the years after the pandemic. Yeah, I guess from a work point of view, from what I've seen um, with with the pandemic creating, you know, lots of change, it, it was very disruptive. But I, I think I'm seeing more kind of like hybrid working, remote working now, which I think yeah. obviously, again, that doesn't really uh, af- affect me because I already had that. Uh, mm-hmm. But for other people, there's that sense of being able to work from anywhere, being given that trust to do to do your role, but from the comfort of your own home or go somewhere where there's a joint, you know, hybrid space where people can work. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, it, it's funny. I, uh, so I've had my company for 10 years and before that I had another company. And, uh, so I'm with you, uh, and before the pandemic, long before the pandemic, our model was one where we would use this kind of channel, uh, to work with executives. And I remember, uh, prior to 2020, uh, many executives, we'd send them a meeting invite and it would be via Zoom and they'd go, what is Zoom? (laughs) (laughs) And 
enough to explain the whole like former Skype thing or whatever. And then after the pandemic, I mean, it because of the pandemic, it caused people to have to figure out and find new ways of meeting and connecting and doing business. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, that's what we're here for today on your show. That's what you help people with is to find new ways. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot in terms of what you've done, what you're doing that is very exciting for me. I think, you know, we can create something really fun as well as really helpful uh, for those that are going to listen to this. You know, for me, you've got a, a good array of experience, but also some maybe some unorthodox uh, approaches um, to the way that you get results. So one thing I've noticed is that you obviously use science, you know, a, a lot when it comes to creating effective leaders how, how are you how are you doing that how are you using science to to effectively create you know more effective and efficient leaders well uh in brief it it is that we use neuroscience uh and specifically behavioral patterns so uh what i was always looking for as an up-and-coming leader and then as a senior executive leader uh in my roughly 25 years in the corporate world is um, the the difference maker that enabled us as leaders, whether we're leading ourselves or leading big teams or leading an entire company, to um, to expand and grow rapidly, to make new changes, to expand our growth edges, whatever you want to call it, even address blind spots, which I'm sure we'll get into later. Um, I was always looking for the way to do that faster and more effectively than the more traditional sort of methodologies I saw out there. And, mm. and basically they all came from uh, former executives that would give you advice and they'd say, well, just do what I did. And, but then you'll be relegated to the level of success that I had. And, and also people rarely do what we tell them. They almost always do what they think up. So that really resonated. And that's why I gravitated towards science initially and still do because something like science as the backdrop for any methodology means that it can work for everyone in every situation. It's not uh, person or situationally dependent. Uh, you know, if it's something that I just think up that worked for me, it, it, it might work beautifully for me, but it may not work for you, Mark. Mm. And that's what I really was looking for. And that's what neuroscience and working in behavioral patterns affords because our, all of our brains as different and unique individuals as we all are, our brains still all work the same. Mm. I love how you said that. I think you said that very well. It made a lot of sense and interesting how you've then framed your, your business very much based on science, which is, which is obviously fact-based you know, gravity affects us all, you know, and, and I like the fact that you can't interpret that, you know, it is, it's true, regardless of, of what you believe, of what you believe, you know, um, right. so that's, that's really fascinating for, for me, um, that you, that you're talking around, around that. Now, when you talk about behavioral patterns, uh, and these neuro like pathways, could you give us an example of how you're doing this with, with your clients that you are creating an effective change through, through these, uh, science-based um, facts? Yeah. So first of all, let's 
let's agree on a definition of a behavioral pattern, which is a recurrent action by an individual toward a given object or situation. So often we think of these consciously uh, as, well, this is just the way I do things. This is how I operate. Uh, because these patterns, these behavioral patterns are set up and established and then repeated in our unconscious mind. And then we don't even think about them anymore consciously. It's like, how do you drive home every day from the office, right? And I think a lot of us can attest to the fact that sometimes we, we don't even remember the drive home. That's the unconscious. So it takes over and makes things automatic for us. So what we do is we help clients identify what the behavioral pattern is and then what the corresponding outcome that's produced from that behavioral pattern. And then if that's not the outcome they want, if that's not the result or the level of result that they want, then all we have to do is look at the behavioral pattern and come up with a different one, mm. probably a better one mm. for them to engage uh, and then we help them put that in place. We help them switch it out uh, and then uh, track the corresponding results. Hmm. So how have you been opening like these unconscious blocks, you know, in order to create new and lasting neuro pathways, which then lead to success? Because obviously we're talking about if we have a, have a have a behavior here that isn't serving us, actually getting us into trouble or or not bringing us into an era of success, how, how do we open up the unconscious? Like, how do we do that? Can we all just like yeah. reach inside our brain and <laughs> make a shift? It involves a big can opener <laughs> and the top of your head pops off. <laughs> <laughs> and I look in there and sift through some stuff. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's much, much easier than that. Uh, although that might be fun. Um, so it involves neuro-linguistics. Mm -hmm. uh, which is the science of words and the words that we use and what they mean uh, that's going on for us because they reveal everything really. Um, so what I'll do, uh, what all of our coaches do is we simply ask questions, but we know the right ones to ask mm. to get you thinking and to tap into those unconscious behavioral patterns. And mm. we'll, get, we'll get past the initial response of, oh, well, that's just how I do it. That's just the way I operate, or that's just how I am. We'll say, well, where did that come from? Where did you learn that? When did you first start doing it that way? That causes someone to go back into their unconscious mind and go, oh, okay, all right, got it. And we'll help them identify the behavioral pattern conversationally, right? Okay, so what's the result you're currently getting? Uh, mm. we, we started working with a new client recently, uh, a CEO of a really massive nonprofit and, um, she happens to be actually not the CEO. She's the CFO. And so she works with numbers all day data. Right. And so, uh, I said, well, what, what are we, what is the, the biggest thing that when we work on it and change the results that you're seeing, uh, it will have the biggest impact uh, on you and maybe team members and the organization. And she said, uh, my ability to uh, garner and give effective feedback. Okay. So uh, I asked her, what are you currently doing? 
And what are the results you're seeing from it? She said, well, uh, team members don't really take my feedback very well. Uh, like they feel alienated or they get defensive after I give feedback. Oh, okay. I said, so what are you saying specifically? So then we got right down to it that her behavioral pattern is to be very direct and give feedback like she was given feedback. Her parents gave her feedback in this very direct and critical way that caused her to grow and to flourish and to ultimately become successful. But that doesn't work with everyone. Mm. Because for a lot of other people, the opposite holds true. They get critical feedback and they become defensive. They feel alienated. They feel uh, put off by that, mm. right? And it has mm. the opposite effect than what, what she would like. Mm. So, uh, and behavioral patterns can really be anything. I've made a short list of them because these are probably the most common that we see with executive leaders. Um, too little delegation. Uh, insufficient development of team members, reticence to engage in healthy debate with the team, uh, inadequate management of performance gaps mm -hmm. with team members or direct reports, uh, avoidance of confrontation. This is a big one right now because uh, we're working in a multi-generational space and every generation by and large uh, approaches conflict differently. Uh, some avoid it altogether at all costs. Others wade in actively and productively and can engage in it well. And then everybody else kind of falls somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. So that's a big one right now. Mm. Uh, reluctance to seek or give helpful, clear feedback. That's mm -hmm. what we just I just mentioned. Mm. Cultural differences and concepts that uh, the concept that my way is the best or only way. Mm. Yeah. And obviously a lot, a lot of them are about ego as well, aren't they? Yes. Yes. And I'm glad that you mentioned ego because ego is really nothing more than a mental construct. Mm. Okay. So mm. ego is really in our conscious mind, but it mm. also comes from our identity and our beliefs in our unconscious mind. Mm. And I, I realize I'm getting a little bit sciencey and maybe a little bit deep on you, but um, <laughs> this is where I live. And I, you know, the, 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 these are the inner workings of our brains. Yeah. 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 I, I appreciate them and always try and then bring, bring some simplicity, at least to the, to the question. So, you know, if 99% of our thoughts and actions come from, from our unconscious, right? How then can we unblock our unconscious to like give us the edge? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So first of all, uh, it's what I mentioned uh, previously, which is just coming face to face with shining a light on the behavioral pattern that you're running. Uh, most people that I come across don't have anybody like a coach like us or uh, a training program or um, a developmental program to really uh, unearth those develop or those uh, behavioral patterns, right? It's not like people uh, like our spouses or our kids or our family walk around asking us these kinds of questions to get at the behavioral pattern that we run, mm. right? That's why we're professionals. <laughs> mm. uh, and then, so you just identify the behavioral pattern 
and then draw a straight line to the corresponding result or outcome that you're seeing from it. If that's not the result that you want, then we identify a new behavioral pattern. Okay, what is the behavioral pattern that will create that result? A very simplistic example of that is delegating, right? If you're not delegating enough and the uh, current result of that is that the feeling like you have to do it all yourself or you are doing it all yourself, uh, or you're doing the lion's share of it yourself because you feel like maybe, well, I'm the leader and I'm ultimately responsible for all this stuff. You know, it's my my head on the chopping block, so to speak, whatever. Um, then the outcome is going to be overwork, uh, maybe not producing the best ideas, the best work quality, uh, because you're you're just going to get tired. You're going to get worn down. Uh, and so the new behavioral pattern to run is to delegate as much as possible. So we'll literally go through with a client once they come to this epiphany and go, oh yeah, I see this now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Uh, then we'll say, all right, let's go through everything that you do in a week and let's identify everything that, that should be delegated, mm -hmm. everything that can be delegated. And mm -hmm. let's start you delegating. So mm. then we'll also invite them to track the results of that. Mm. Uh, we use a proprietary system called Power Pathways Portal. Uh, our clients all get to use that. And you can also replicate this uh, by using um, a reminder on your phone and keeping track in a spreadsheet of your daily data points. But basically you're tracking what your outcome is every day. So you know, have I delegated effectively today? Or how many things did I delegate today? And what was the outcome of those delegations? And then you see visually this graph of a line going upward. And that actually communicates to your unconscious mind, oh, this is going well. I like this. I'd like more of this. And then it helps you to positively reinforce to keep making those changes until it is permanently changed. Mm. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. So in some ways, what's more relatable to me is, is probably, you know, triggers how sometimes like we're, we're triggered. And, um, you know, when we have a, a response, sometimes it's a physiological response. And, and there's a narrative that's going out about uh, a belief that, we're interpreting based on somebody else's behavior. And then we kind of freak out and, and lose ourselves in that. And then we end up like saying something that actually just makes things worse and, and therefore is not going to uh, be a positive behavioral pattern. And so, I, you know, I've, I've seen that in my own life and needing to then change my narrative and find a way to soothe some of my initial reactions uh, to be, you know, responsive rather than reactive and, and working on that. So that really makes, you know, a lot of sense. I know that we talked or you touched on about blind spots. Mm -hmm. Now, talk to me about blind spots for, for a moment, Karen. It is blind spots really a matter of a lack of self-awareness or is it or is it something else? Because obviously, you know, when we think of blind spot, it's, it's not in our periphery. We're kind of blindsided by it. We don't even see it. Is this mm -hmm. about self-awareness or is this about something else? It is about self-awareness. Uh, yeah, because you are not consciously aware of a blind spot. Uh, 
And I will say this, uh, I don't think there's been a client yet that we've uncovered a blind spot and they've said, wow, I have never heard this before, or I've never come across this before. Now we all have, I mean, you get to be of a certain age, let's say 40, 45, 50, somewhere in there. Uh, you, you get to be a a level of maturity and self-awareness, I hope, um, that you, you've seen these, these recurring themes before Mm. this is not going to be the first time you've heard of it. Uh, it's just that like triggers maybe, and I'm glad you brought that up. You may have been resistant to it. Oh, I don't want to change that because it is, it is who I am, or that's just how I am. Or that's in my DNA. Mm. Well, the truth is only 5% of who we are, how we do things is in our DNA. Mm. The other 95% is up for grabs. Mm. And just like you talked about triggers. um, So triggers, yeah, have an emotion. You have an emotional response to something. And it can be the same thing with a blind spot and a behavioral pattern. A trigger Mm. is nothing more than a behavioral pattern. Mm. And the reason that you have it is because your unconscious mind formed it somewhere in the past to get a positive result for you. Maybe to stop something that was happening. Maybe you were in a relationship and something wasn't going well. So your, your brain formed that pattern that then becomes a trigger for you. And all behavioral patterns, whether they're negative or positive or something in between, they serve us at some point. That's why our brain creates them. Mm. Until we reach a level, and maybe we're trying to, to level up, elevate above a previous level, do something we haven't done before, uh, which is very often the case, uh, growing, in other words, that we suddenly realize, usually through the help of someone else helping us realize that, oh, that behavioral pattern helped me get here. It helped me successfully get here, but it's gonna hold me back. It Mm. won't help me get there. Mm. Yeah, it's fascinating because I, I kind of like to hear how how you go how you go about it, like with your clients and in your everyday, and then me relating it to how like I've gone about it. Like for me, when when it was a question of being triggered, there would be a narrative, for example, that um, maybe I'm not that important, or or maybe I'm forgettable, or maybe I'm not so lovable, right? And then mm-hmm. You t- often I used to take somebody else's behavior to the detriment of my own thinking it was about me, then mm-hmm. realizing when it was about them, I was then able to change the narrative and say, hang on a second, Mark, this isn't because you're not important. This isn't because you're not lovable. This isn't because you don't matter. This is about what's going on in on in that person. I tell you, that is so liberating, isn't it? Yes. Oh. Yes. Voluminous. Yes. Yeah, uh, you're right. We're the only ones that are writing that narrative in our head. And it comes from interpretation of others' behaviors or words, and then making an assumption about them. Mm. Oh, what they just said or did means this, and it means this about me. And you're right. It very often doesn't mean anything about you. It means everything about them. Mm. 
Yeah. And I tell you, but when it, you when you get that, it's so liberating, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Then you also have the the realization that then you're the driver of your own thoughts. You're the owner of them. And that if you want to change them, you can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, I'm so big into if you want to change how you feel about something, you've got to change how you think about it. It starts in, in the thought realm and then creates a feeling. So often, you know, people say, I'm sad. Well, what are you thinking about? What are you telling yourself? You know, what is reality? And actually, what isn't? And there's that sense of, you know, I think this is there's a place for this, Karen, where, you know, we hit, when we hear the word self-harm, we often think of the physical where people cut themselves, right? Yeah. But there's more emotional self-harm by people actually hurting themselves, taking responsibility for somebody else's behavior when, it, again, it isn't about you, it's about them. Yes. And people are hurting themselves a lot. Yes. Yes, totally agree. Um, and even though it's about them, what we're talking about is our own results, right? Mm. Our own results, our own patterns mm. that are creating those results. Exactly. It's, right? all, so it's, it's all about our it's own really, personal results. Yeah. And it's about uh, inquiring about those, getting curious about them, revealing them. Mm. Uh, you know, getting in there, like you said, you know, kind of popping the top of your head off and, and jumping in, uh, to your unconscious mind and rooting around in there mm. and seeing what's in there sort of in the attic. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, and then doing something with it, just mm. like you said, uh, triggers, uh, is about you owning your own triggers, mm. realizing how it actually works why you're doing it mm. and then once you realize that that's about them you have the opportunity to engage with and change your own thoughts that lead to the triggers and therefore can sever the triggers therefore changing them mm. yeah and, and then it gets exciting rather than being annoyed and frustrated and almost embarrassed uh by by your trigger or your behavioral pattern uh, once you kind of reprogram, that actually becomes exciting because you just think, here's an opportunity for some more growth, some more healing, uh, and and for for better results. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. let's let's enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Uh, I think uh, a lot of us do learn to find enjoyment in that mm. because it's us feeling like we're controlling our destiny, mm. right? Instead mm. of feeling out of control, like others are controlling or situations are controlling our destiny, right? Mm. Um, and it, it really is willingly choosing to jump into that and mm. do work in that space rather mm. than, I think prior to that, I'll call it awakening, if you will, around that 40 age range, maybe. Because um, it, it certainly happens periodically in our younger lives too. Mm, mm. Uh, and a, a lot more with um, younger generations. Uh, I'm seeing it a lot earlier and a lot more in younger generations. So mm. I don't want to discount anybody. Mm. Um, but uh, seeing those come uh, and having that realization that uh, it, it's sort of a transformation from uh, 
thinking that everything that happens happens to us by some outside forces, mm. right? Mm. Versus that self-realization, which is, oh, I create everything that happens. Mm. I create it in here first, mm. right? And then mm. I cause that to happen. Mm. Very good. Mm -hmm. I wanted to explore relationship intelligence like with you. Is, it, is this something diff different to emotional intelligence obviously emotional intelligence is so like popular it's something that i i'm really keen on but when i when i came across you know some uh, content that you create around relationship intelligence i really wanted to uh, explore that with you i'm so glad you brought this up oh this is so exciting <laughs> uh so yes uh many are familiar with emotional intelligence, right? There was books about that. There was a lot of information about that years ago. And relationship intelligence quotient, uh, or RQ for short, uh, is the next evolution. It's the next level of emotional intelligence. Yeah. And it's all about how we interact with people, um, mostly those that we're in a working relationship with. Uh, and this is really important at work, right? Because a, a, a leader that's at any kind of high level in an organization knows that you cannot succeed by yourself. You cannot do everything yourself. When you get into a leadership role, you move from I do to we do, and then to they do ultimately, uh, so that you can be a, a true leader. Uh, you can be a visionary and you can think and work strategically, right? That's part of what being a leader is. Rather than just managing things, you're managing people to manage the results through those people. Mm. So, and that's what relationship intelligence quotient is. It's results through relationships. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like that. Results through relationships. Right. May I expand on that a little bit? Yes. Okay. So what we do, what we're able to do with this, and again, it's all in, it's all rooted in science is we're able to take a team, uh, through, uh, an inventory it's called. And what this does, it's online. It takes about 40 minutes. Uh, and it is not, I repeat, it is not a personality assessment. We're not going to say whether you're an otter or a golden retriever. I hate stuff like that because <laughs> then you go, well, what do I do with that now? I mean, you're being compared to, you know, some, some, uh, uh, goal or standard, right. And if you deviate from the standard, well, it's all about how do you get to the standard? That's mm. not what this is. Mm. This is truly, uh, a system that simply inventories your current behavior, mm. how you interact with people. Mm. Okay. Uh, specifically at work. And so uh, it's fascinating because what we can do is literally map out the dynamics that play out within a team. Mm. And every time we do this, the team is literally blown away. They, they sit back in their chair and they go, how in the world did you know this? How did you figure this out? Well, it's through science. And it's, it, it, it's how we play out these interactions with others. 
And it also, it's just like shining a, a spotlight on blind spots, right? Mm -hmm. We're doing the same thing with relational interactions. And mm -hmm. specifically what this shows us is uh, how we do with conflict, what we do when we're faced with conflict, how we move through conflict, because everybody moves through it in a unique way. We don't understand that, you know, we're, we're not ever taught that or trained on that as we grow up or even going through university or college or anything like that. We don't ever get training like that. Mm. So to see how we uniquely move through conflict is completely eye-opening, first of all. Also, how we can engage in healthy debate so that we bring out the best ideas. We bring out all ideas, not just those that are outspoken, right? Uh, and how we can, uh, through really healthy debate, unearth the best ideas, because that's what the company has hired us to do, mm. right? That's they want us to come up with our best ideas and do our best work because that is going to grow the company. That's going to move the company forward. That's going to create the difference for that company, mm. right? Um, we're also able to show each individual uh, how um, their motivational value system works. So we were talking about beliefs a little bit earlier and specifically at work, it is what are the beliefs that formulate our motivations at work, AKA how we like to get things done, how we try to get things done, sort of our operating system at work, if you will. Mm. And knowing that, for instance, Mark, you might be a really process oriented person and I might be a performance oriented person. Well, we're going to get in each other's crosshairs pretty easily because mm. I'm going to be pressing the gas pedal all the time to hurry up and make a decision and find a solution. And you're going to be pressing on the brake all the time, wanting to follow a specific structured process to right. make sure that you find the best solution. Mm. So Makes that's a, a simple example of how sometimes, uh, you know, we can interact and get crossways with each other. Mm. Yes. It's, a, it's an amazing kind of like subject that we're tapping into here. I, lo I love that you've shared like what this relationship intelligence is and, and like the next level, uh, for, you know, from emotional intelligence, but, but for the point of actually creating harmony so that we can be more productive and uh, proficient in, in the workplace, but also, you know, in, in life, probably in relationships as well, understanding, you know, that even within the home is, is probably going to be really helpful. Um, Karen, definitely. Yeah. And let me speak to that for a second. Yeah. Uh, we, this definitely translates to spouses, partners, family members, anyone that you're in a relationship with. Right. And so um, part of um, a benefit that we give to every team that we take through this, because they all come out of the first piece of training with that same question. Well, how can I apply this to my relationship with my significant other or my partner or spouse? We say, hey, here's the good news. We actually give you a free inventory to have that person take. Mm. And then you guys can have a great dialogue mm. about each other and your interactions mm. uh, in the relationship. Mm. And that that's that's kind of fun, actually. That's how it does sound fun. It does sound fun. Karen, how do how do people find out more about you? How do they get the chance to work with you? Uh, can you let us know? 
Yeah. Uh, first of all, all of my contact information is on the website, mm -hmm. which is your, that's spelled Y-O-U-R, exponentialresults.com. Mm -hmm. And you can also find me on LinkedIn uh, at Karen Brown. Uh, hold on a second. Let me actually confirm. I don't ever have to search for myself, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, just Karen Brown. Um traditional spelling of Brown uh, and it'll bring me and exponential results right up. And I do, um, uh, I do receive uh, or welcome personal, personal messages. So mm -hmm. you can um, direct message me as well, if you'd like. Amazing. Do you want to share one last thing? Is there anything burning before uh, we finish the interview? Is there anything that you kind of want to give people to kind of chew on or, or, or let us know Maybe something that we haven't haven't discussed. Yes, yes. That uh, what I'd like to share is the processing volume and speed differences between the conscious and unconscious minds. Because mm -hmm. this is also something that uh, is is not readily out there, and it it again it makes all the difference understanding this. Mm -hmm. So our unconscious mind processes. 400 billion bits of information per second Wow! at a speed of up to a hundred thousand miles an hour. That's why we work in behavioral patterns because they're in our unconscious mind. So you can make changes much more rapidly and permanently rather than like trying to change a habit, mm -hmm. which is in your conscious mind. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's why changing habits can be so difficult you feel like you're just white knuckling it the whole way. And they're not permanent changes. You can slip back. And that's because your conscious mind only processes about 2000 bits of information per second. Mm. And the processing speed is only 100 to 150 miles an hour. So if you think about it like this, the conscious mind is like a skateboard. The unconscious mind is like a SpaceX rocket. Mm. So which one would you rather take to creating the results that you'd like? Skateboard or the rocket? Oh, the rocket. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we want to get some crazy-ass results. <laughs> launches into space. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And challenge Elon Musk and his uh, interesting way of going about life. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> That's a whole nother show. Sure is, sure is. <laughs> Karen, it's been really lovely to to chat with you. It's been very enjoyable and helpful and informative and educational. So it's really been wonderful. Thank you for joining me on today's uh, Brains podcast. Thank you for having me, Mark. This has been delightful. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining this episode with me, Mark Sefton. I hope you've really enjoyed it feel free to leave us a positive review on iTunes and I look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast. <laughs>